Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Estella Coughlin, and you are listening to the Nest Podcast. Hello, welcome back to the Nest Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, we have another very special guest. We have Miss Kaylee Wolfensberger. She is current Miss Bozeman Teen USA, former Miss Idaho Falls Teen, and Miss Idaho's Teen First Runner-Up. And by the time this comes out, hopefully, she holds the title of Miss Montana Teen USA Slay! How's it going? Good. I'm a little nervous, but I'm happy to be on your podcast. Well, I am very happy to have you. Thank you for agreeing to come and sit down with me for hours. Oh, thanks for asking. <laughs> well, so, where shall we begin? There's a lot here. For the main things we're going to be hitting is your pageantry, your gap semester, and your platform hidden in plain sight. Yeah. Which we will get into those main three things in the episode. So shall we begin by talking about your upbringing and kind of what made you decide to compete in pageants? Yeah. So I grew up in Rigby, Idaho, and Miss Idaho Falls and the Miss Idaho Falls teen program were really big when I was young. So my mom would volunteer at Miss Idaho Falls, and she would help the girls get ready. So I got to go with my mom and sit in the audience and watch all their girls in their pretty dresses and do their walk. So when I was young, I was like, I want to do that someday. So when I was 12, I competed in Miss Idaho Falls preteen, and I did horribly so bad, and that was it. I definitely did not win. I like that was it for me and I was like never mind this is like not for me I'll just sit and watch and I continued to go to the pageants and go to Miss Idaho and Miss Idaho's teen with my mom and she was actually a judge for Miss Idaho's teen one year and I started to get into it a little more then and then I competed in the Distinguished Young Women program. It's a high school competition. They don't call it a pageant. And you do on-stage question and walk, a fitness routine, a private interview, and a talent. So I did that my junior year, and I won self-expression, be your best self, and I think I just won be your best self. And the Expression Award. And I kind of got back into it. And I was like, maybe I want to try again after my failure when I was 12. So I like signed up to be in the Miss Idaho's teen program. And I won Miss Idaho Falls teen. I won that local. And then I went to Miss Idaho's teen in June. And I got first runner-up. It was my first state pageant. So that was super awesome for me. I was super excited. And then I took my gap semester, which we'll get into. And then I came to Montana State. And a couple weeks ago, I saw an Instagram post for Miss Montana Teen USA. And they had open titles, which basically means you apply for the title and if they think you're fit you get the title so you can compete in the state pageant so I'm going to Miss Montana Teen USA next weekend and I'm competing with nine other girls so hopefully it works out we are rooting for you that's super cool slay no you're gonna do great thank you you are very welcome okay so what's the difference between Miss America Teen USA like all that. Yeah. Okay, I I okay, I'm to preface. I am literally a very beginner at this. I never did pageantry nor know anything about it. So talk to me as if I were uh, a preschooler. Um okay. So the pageants I grew up watching and attending with my mom were part of the Miss America organization program. The Miss America organization is what I grew up 
going to what I grew up watching with my mom. And they have you compete in talent, on-stage question, private interview, and a fitness routine. If you're teen or if you're a miss, you do a social impact initiative pitch. But they just changed it and they re-implemented fitness, but we're not sure how that looks yet. It used to be a swimsuit competition, but they took that out in 2020 and put in the social impact initiative pitch. But this year, they just released a statement that they're switching back to fitness, but no one knows what it looks like. We're not sure if it's swimsuit or how that'll look for Miss. And then the Miss USA organization is under the Miss Universe organization, and they do swimwear for Miss um, on stage question and private interview. So they don't do talent in theirs, and they have the swimsuit competition. But because I'm in teen, I'll do fitness wear instead of swimsuit. Okay, so there are only two organizations. There's so many different pageant organizations. There's National Miss and Miss Idaho High School America organization. There's so many different ones. But these are two main organizations. And then under each organization, there's a Miss and a teen category. Okay, under each of them. And so yes. you have only done the pageants with teen. Teen. Yes, because I have not aged out of teen yet. Is the age out like once you were older than 18? The age out is different for each of them. So for USA, it's until you're 19. And then for Miss America, it's when you're 18. Okay, gotcha. And so, after the teen, because you've only competed in the teen, what's the next step up? Just Miss? Yeah. Okay, even though there's Miss in the name. Even though there's Miss in the name, it ends in teen. Okay, so then let's say it wasn't like a teen, it would just be Miss Bozeman USA. Yes. Without the teen. Correct. Okay. That's what was confusing me. <laughs> um, another main difference is the Miss America organization considers themselves a scholarship competition rather than a pageant. And they are the number one provider of scholarships for women in America, oh, which wow. is super awesome. For the 100th, 100th Miss America, she got $100,000 towards her education for oh, winning. My gosh. So. It's pretty crazy. And then the Miss USA, Miss Universe, it's a lot more getting yourself involved into the industry, acting, modeling, magazines, runways, fashion shows. So they both just have so much to offer. So I'm just trying out both. Awesome. And so you you said your mom would go and help out with it. And so what got her into it? Do you have any siblings that did it? Or did she do it and she loved and wanted to? help her community with it? I'm the only girl, so I don't have any siblings who did it before me. I'm not 100% sure how my mom got into it because she didn't compete. I think someone just asked her to help them get ready maybe backstage, and from there she just continued to do it, and she ended up judging Miss Idaho's teen, like I said earlier, and then um, she ended up being on the Miss Idaho board a year later. So. When she was judging, were you competing too? No, I couldn't compete while my mom was judging, obviously. And my mom also had to resign her position for me to be able to compete. Okay, gotcha. Miss USA, which is under the Miss Universe organization, because the winner of Miss USA goes to Miss Universe. And then there's the Miss America organization, which stops at Miss America. There's nothing above Miss America. Okay, so between Miss USA and Miss America, you've done those two of the teams. Yes. Okay, so you said you have competed in Miss USA and Miss America, the teen versions of both of those. So do they have the same categories, or how do they kind of run their pageant? The Miss America organization, teen or Miss, um, they have talent, whereas the Miss USA program does not. So that's the main difference. And then swimsuit used to also be a difference, but because they have changed it, we might see swimsuit back. Okay, so going into your first, what do you call it, competition or pageant? 
Or does it just depend? It depends on which okay. one. So for Miss America, when I was doing pageants in Idaho, we called it a competition. Um, they do call this one that I'm running for now a pageant. Okay. And so when you do the pageants slash competitions, like your very first one, were you nervous at all? How were you feeling? Because you were, how old did you say, 12? I was 12. Okay. Unless you count the one my mom signed me up for when I was like seven. But that was, we just thought that was a cute little yeah. walk on stage. And it ended up being like toddlers and tiaras. Oh. But I don't remember that yeah. very well to tell you. Okay, let's stick with the the one, the air quotes, first one when okay. you were 12. When you kind of knew what it was about, how were you feeling on your first pageant slash competition? That was so long ago. Oh my gosh. I was definitely nervous. I'm nervous every time I compete, but it's also so fun to get on stage, regardless of your age, in a pretty dress. It's like, I don't think anyone's going to say they don't enjoy that. Talent has always been the most nerve-wracking for me, especially playing piano. It's very obvious when you mess up. <laughs> My hands shake so bad, so it's very hard to play on stage. And that first time I went out, like, I was so nervous. And it was really hard to control my nerves. So that's definitely something I've had to learn. But since then, my confidence has definitely grown. And I've become a lot better presenting myself as a strong young woman and someone who has something to advocate for versus that first time. Of course. And so your talent, you said, is piano. Yes. And how did you pick that talent? I have played piano since I was eight. Oh, okay. So you already yeah. knew something about it. So right, like when you were 12 and like, oh, I need a talent. It wasn't like, okay, let me learn piano real quick. Yeah, no, I've I've played piano since I was eight. To say I've practiced piano, shave a couple years off, probably. <laughs> um, but I still play piano. I actually go into the music hall here and sit in like the practice rooms and play sometimes so is that how you get your practice like while you're in college or do you so you don't have like a piano or a keyboard with like no just rooms? practice in the music halls but i don't have to have a talent for this pageant oh okay so what's this pageant what are the categories? this one is fitness wear interview and on stage question okay so it's three categories yes. instead of five yeah four or five yeah okay gotcha so which one are you looking forward to and most nervous about for the one coming up interview i think always makes everyone nervous but interview is also my favorite because it's my opportunity to let the judges know who i am before i even step on stage so if i make a lasting impression the day before competition in my private interview they'll remember me and when i walk on stage i'll be like oh that's the girl who advocates for trauma survivors or that's the girl who had this funny story to tell instead of, oh, that girl looks pretty in her dress. So that's something that I love about interview. For this one, I might be most nervous for fitness wear just because in the Miss America organization, the only other thing I've done is you do a fitness routine instead of a fitness walk. Okay, so what's the difference between the routine and the walk? The walk is, I'm guessing, you walk. Yeah, it's more, okay. it's more like modeling in a okay. way for this one and in the Miss America you do a routine so push-ups and kicks and sit-ups and things gotcha. like that so I've just never done this version of fitness so I'm just nervous because I've never like seen it or done it before okay and how do you prepare for a pageant like you have a special routine or do you yeah how do you prepare I have an awesome pageant coach Oh, really? Okay. okay. Yes. Wait, how do you get one of those? Or have um, you had one? Well, she she's kind of from where I'm from, back in Idaho. And she helped me get ready for Miss Idaho's teen. And she was also part of the Distinguished Young Women program. So I just kind of knew her from that. And it's a small community. So I already knew her. And she started up her business two years ago. And I think I think I was one of like her first people. So I've just kind of always been with her. And then my mom also helps me prepare a lot because she's been in it. She's seen it. Um, so it's a lot of like my mom just like spit firing questions at me. And I also listen to a news podcast every morning, make sure I'm staying up on current events and things like that. 
Oh my gosh, enhancing the mind. Yes. We must be good in our business class for our professor. Spitfire's interview questions and catches you off guard. I did slay that interview question. Amen. Some of those I'm like, oh no, I don't know what to say. But I've always, I've always finished with something. I have, I have words to give. Yes. It might be scrambled, but for the most part, I do pretty well. Slay. I do pretty well. But yeah, no, that must be also a good skill to have. It is, and I think... all the skills you're doing in the competitions, like, really good skills just for life. Yeah. I think there's a huge stigma around pageants that we just get on stage and look pretty. And it's actually a lot of work. It's a lot of being educated and, like, up to date. In my Miss Idaho's teen interview, I got asked about gun control. I got asked about... The effect of video games on children's minds, specifically violent video games. They're not just in there asking me my favorite color or my favorite Disney princess. It's, they're hard questions. Real up-to-date issues and concerns and seeing what you guys think. So, yeah, but it's like real up-to-date, real-life issues that are happening and what your take is on it. And then judging you on that within the whole... Thing of your competition yes and it's their job not necessarily to judge me based off of my opinion but judge me based off how i answer so it's not about being liberal or conservative necessarily which also comes that's also an, opi- an opinion a lot of people have but it, it should be based off of how you answer not what you answer in a way oh for sure and so do you get nervous with those i think you did say like because is that technically considered the interview yes that's the interview okay i do get nervous but at the same time um i call them fluff questions i know so it's like the fluffier questions so things kind of like what's your favorite color what do you like to do for fun things like that um i'm I'm confident in them but when um they ask me my opinion on something i'm passionate Mm -hmm. about or something i'm well informed about i enjoy answering those so much more so i get nervous but i like it's my favorite part that's a really cool insight and intake on that whole thing okay how many different outfits do you have to have for like let's say one patch the main ones you have to have you have to have your evening wear dress so that's what you see a lot of like the long pretty sparkly dresses and then you have fitness wear if you are competing in talent you have your talent costume or talent dress and then you have your private interview interview wear which is just i would say a step above business casual but you also have rehearsals and you have days you show up and you have to take pictures. So you have your competition wear, but then you have your sash wear or your crown wear, what you show up in to take pictures, which is also dressier. And then you have your outfits for when you're doing rehearsals. So it's, yeah, you definitely have more than just what you see on stage. Oh my gosh. So do you have to do a lot of shopping? Is there like guidelines on the different outfits or do you have somebody like your coach help you pick out the outfits or do you just do that on your own? So, I mean, there are some guidelines, obviously, like when it comes to dresses, slit and low back guidelines, but it changes as the organization changes. So I get to pick all my own outfits for this one. I totally forgot to mention there's opening wear outfit as well. So you have an opening routine. So you also have to have an outfit for that. So I get to pick all of my outfits for Miss Montana Teen USA. In the Miss Idaho's teen, they gave me my fitness wear and they gave me my opening number outfit. So I get to choose most of it, which is so fun. But Sometimes they give it to you. And yes, it is a lot of shopping when you start. But as you continue to do them, you've got a closet full of clothes. So, And it's yeah. good for being in business. Absolutely. Being in the professional world, meetings, AOPI. Yes, AOPI business yes. meetings. <laughs> business meetings, like you were business were way more than I definitely thought you had to. And I literally have no business where... 
I literally rock up in sweats and a t-shirt, long sleeves, some joggers, like, that's my wardrobe 24-7. So, I, you can be my personal stylist. Okay. Yes. We <laughs> do wear a lot of business wear. No, we do. Okay. When you start out with the pageants, were any of your friends or anybody kind of closer around you doing pageants? Because you said it was where you're from, it, the pageants were big there. Right, if I remember correctly. When I was young, they were big. As I got older, they've kind of started to diminish, but it kind of fluctuates every year. Like, they get big some years, and they get small some years. Gotcha. So, otherwise, has it always just been kind of you doing it, like, yeah. people around you? It's just... DYW, I had quite a few friends doing that because it was within our school. So, a lot of my school friends and girls I knew were doing it. But when I went into, like, Miss Idaho's teen, not so much. It was kind of just me. Interesting. Have you met a lot of people through, like, pageantry and competing? Absolutely. And that's also one of my favorite parts is the sisterhood of pageants. You would think girls would be catty and girls would be mean because you're competing against each other. But throughout, like, those three, four days in rehearsals, like, you become best friends, and the dressing rooms are so fun, and everyone is so helpful. People are helping you pin your hair up or do up your dress, and that's, like, so fun, and I'm sure you can relate through AOPI. Obviously, we have that sisterhood, and that's really, honestly, how pageants are, is it's, like, kind of same community. Yeah, so you've known the Idaho community. Are you excited to now get to know more of the Montana Bozeman community? Yes, these girls are already so nice. I did a live interview the other day with the current Miss Montana Teen USA, Julia, and, like, all these girls were getting on and commenting and, like, saying they were so excited to meet me, and I just thought that was so fun. I'm just so excited to meet them. That's so sweet. Oh, my gosh. Okay, and so when you're competing and doing the pageants, all the categories you have to compete in, you also have to have a social impact in, like, a platform. Could you talk a little bit about yours and how you came up with that? Yes. So the Miss America organization calls it a social impact initiative and the Miss Universe, Miss USA organization calls it a platform, but it's the same thing. So mine is called Hidden in Plain Sight, Assisting with Trauma Recovery. And it comes from my experience in a school shooting in my hometown of Rigby, Idaho um, in May of 2021. Yes, in May of 2021, we had an active shooter situation. She shot three people in our middle school, which shares a campus with our high school. And we all went into lockdown. And it was really scary. And... I was dealing with trauma after that event that I didn't really understand that I was dealing with. And a, a lot of it was almost like a shock factor, I think, because when I guess she got on the intercom and was like, we're there's a, like we have an active shooter situation. We need to go into full lockdown mode like that. Oh, that like puts you in such a different mindset and thinking that you like might not go home is like so traumatizing that's so hard to come out of and I could like barely even text my mom my hands shook so bad and like I just I felt so scared in that moment and like texting your family and saying like I love you like I don't know what's gonna happen is it's so hard and so traumatizing and after the event I was involved in a lot of clubs in school I was involved in student council and we had prom that weekend and the community decided to continue with prom. You know, we just wanted everyone to get back together and come together as a community. So the next day after the shooting, I was back in school when no one else was. And I was setting up for prom and nobody asked me if I was okay, except for obviously my mom. And I didn't, I didn't even cry after the event. And I was like, mom, like, I just don't feel anything like something is wrong. So I talked briefly the next day at school with a trauma counselor and did an exercise and went about my day and and it didn't really do much for me and I was leaving the school after setting up for prom and I saw the caution tape walking off the middle school where someone was shot outside and that was the first time I started crying within over like 24 hours since the shooting and 
that was just a weird response because I didn't know what was happening. And um, a couple of weeks went by and we were nearing the end of the school year and I just still felt like something was wrong. And I was just continuously being asked by administrators to help other kids who were struggling. And they even asked me to roam the hallways so that kids would feel safer in the hallways. And But no one like was worried about me or how I felt roaming the hallway. And that was just so lonely. And that's where the hidden in plain sight part comes from is I felt hidden in plain sight. I was in school and I was with people who were dealing with the same thing, but no one could tell. Essentially, I was hidden. That's so hard and I just never want anyone else to go through that. So that's where my platform comes from. And it's about finding those people who are dealing with this and being able to see the signs of someone who's dealing with trauma and assisting them with their recovery, basically. You are very brave for sharing that and for creating that platform. And I'm so sorry you did have to go through that. Nobody should have to go through that. But I I really do like the name and I really think it does speak volumes on trauma, but also mental health in general and with things people are struggling. Because everybody's struggling whether you can tell or you can't tell, but everyone has something and it just like is a reminder that no matter how great you think someone's life is or how fine, air quotes, somebody may seem, they put on a smile. Well, for some people, it can be easy to put on a smile, but not easy to feel happiness, Yeah, you know? And so I think that is a really powerful platform and your voice is also very powerful for having that mission and talking about it and keeping up that conversation about like, hey, you know, I'm still a student too. I went through this as well. And even if I may look, air quote, fine, that doesn't necessarily mean I am. And it even could be like, I'm not as fine as the other people around me, but I have to keep up this act in this role because authorities are calling on me to step up yeah and actually it's it's been a while it was my junior year of high school so i actually said something wrong when i saw the caution tape i remember i didn't cry and that was upsetting i i was wrong that was not the first time i cried i just i remember like being so upset by it the first time i cried i think was actually it was a couple weeks later. So I'm not, and that's kind of something that's crazy with trauma is you block out certain memories or you forget certain things. So it's it's been a while since I've talked about this. So it's kind of weird how details get misconstrued. But like you were saying, like authorities and people within my school expected me to be a leader. And I do remember the first time I cried was actually when I, it was the last day of school for our seniors. So we had our senior barbecue and we were passing out yearbooks and I was part of the yearbook committee. And I had to tell my yearbook advisor that I had to leave early because I was going to see a counselor um, that my mom signed me up for because I just was not doing okay. And so, and I had to come to accept that um, a couple of weeks later. And we were just kind of in the office and I saw him and I was like, oh, like, hey, do you have a second to talk? And he, he was like, yeah, for sure. And we like kind of walked into a side room and like I tried to start talking and I remember I just started crying and I was like, I have to go see a counselor. I'm really embarrassed by this. And he was like, there is absolutely no reason to be embarrassed. And that's kind of when something switched for me, I think, is realizing that and this is something I say a lot uh, with my platform, is everyone's trauma is valid, regardless of how they experienced it or what they experienced. Everyone's trauma is valid. So that's like something I learned a lot in that moment is even though I wasn't in the school, even though I wasn't the one who was shot, it was still so close to me and it affected my community. And I have every right to feel the way I feel. So, like, that's another big thing I highlight with my platform. That cannot be closer to the truth. 
snaps. <laughs> All trauma is valid, and no matter how big or even small someone's trauma could be, someone's trauma is still their trauma. You know, it's it's still very much real to them, very much still affects them in their life. And no matter if you think that's a small trauma, their trauma is valid and their trauma has affected their life yeah. in some way. Absolutely. And I think that's something we as a society need to be a lot more careful about is it's kind of like pop culture in a way. We say trauma dumping. Like we just like trauma dump to each other is like what a lot of us say. But a lot of times when that happens, it's like people trying to one-up each other on traumatic events. And you can't one-up someone's trauma. Everyone's trauma is valid. And something you experience isn't any less traumatic because someone has had a scarier experience in their opinion or your opinion. So, that's a really great point to make because I didn't even think about that until you said, talked about like trauma dumping and pop culture and like the media in our world now. It's like, oh, maybe it's kind of cool to trauma dump. It's almost like gossiping or let's sit around and yeah. like just talk about our lives and then all of a sudden everyone's trauma dumping. However, you want to define that and then, yeah, people want up want to be like oh yeah because people want validation and i think mm -hmm. it goes hand in hand with yeah trauma dumping or trauma because people feel i mean i'm not trying to speak for everyone but in general at least for me it's like if someone has trauma it's something that's not been healed they want validation to be heard to feel seen and to be loved and like you're saying with trauma dumping one upping that makes them feel that they are validating themselves without anybody having to tell them because they're one-upping and feeling more superior. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that made sense, but it was, it's just almost trying to find or seek validation to seek um, affirmation within their trauma, but not going about it in a very healthy and sustaining way. Yeah. And the other part of my platform is assisting with trauma recovery. So that can be a sign of someone who has obviously not fully recovered and could use help in their healing journey. And that's something I also bring awareness to is looking for the small signs to help people. And there's nothing wrong with quote unquote trauma dumping. If you want to share an experience that happened to you, that's totally fine. Make sure you're in a setting with people who you're for one, comfortable with, to you know that they're not going to go around spreading your story if you don't want it spread, and like three, you're like with a community who's going to support you, not try to one-up you because that is so just detrimental to your healing process, and we also as a society need to be a lot more conscious about that one-upping because I think sometimes it's almost subconscious. No, I totally agree. It's like you don't even notice that you're doing it. Mm -hmm. But then if you replay the conversation or that time back in your head and you're like, oh, you know, you have yeah. more. No, but I totally think you're absolutely right with that. I love music and no, I love playing piano, so I really wish I could sing with it. Because I was going to say maybe for your talent where you play piano, I was wondering if you'd whip out some lyrics uh no <laughs> and the one song like the song i played for a pageant once was the sound of silence so just the thought of me <laughs> singing the sound of silence is so funny so, do you get sheet music with it or do you have to no you have to memorize it <laughs> memorize the sound of silence yes it's only I'll... 90 seconds silence okay. usually only 90 seconds but it, but it still, is hard. it takes a couple months that. Because where do you look when you're playing? Do you just look straight ahead of you, or do you, you want to, like, make eye contact with the audience? Yes. Like, kind of, like, show, like, you're playing, but, like, you're one with the audience? You, you know, if... It's... Yes, you... Talent, like, 
you have to be silly. You can't just play the piano. You have to just like look down and and look like you're zoning out. You have to like really draw in the audience. Yes, it's a lot of like performance. Hitting the keys and lifting the hands and yes, motions like the fancy. I don't know what it's called. The fancy. Yeah. You're supposed to. I will say, when I competed for Miss Idaho's team, I did not pull out all the stops, I and I think, I think that did not help my talent <laughs> portion score. <laughs> so yes, it is very important. And so, what do you think on average of your competing? I mean, uh, of like your piano section where you would play. How many times do you think you mess up, or is it Ooh. crystal clean? No. no. Okay. <laughs> Probably once or twice I mess up when I'm okay. performing. Yeah, I mean, no, I mess up with the whole thing. So that's yeah, very good. It's so nerve-wracking. So how often would you, like, practice for it? Like, would you do you set goals for yourself within pageantry and competing? Like, for the talent section, playing piano, I, my goal is to play for two hours for three days this week or something like that yeah so my goal was to play at least 30 minutes every day so keeping it consistent yes and once i learn it and i have it memorized um it's not necessarily like sitting there for 30 minutes it's anytime i just like walk past the piano i sit down and play it kind of a thing once it's memorized i do like how you say that because it's like with instruments. If you're learning something or play like an instrument, well, I guess you can't really take a keyboard out of its case. Never mind. But my point was, like with an instrument, it's and you're wanting to learn it or do it more often, it's better to have it in your sight and a place that you walk through a lot hmm. because it's easy, easy to access and it's right there. And you have to put little to no work in. All you have to do is sit down or pick it up and just play it. Yeah. So that was also off topic. But if anyone is looking to get started in playing an instrument, don't have that thing sit in its case because you will not pick it up. And I know from experience. So do you play <laughs> instruments? No, I I taught myself guitar and a little bit of piano. Oh. I'm not good. I just like to play <laughs> along with like my music, like strum along. I just do it out of enjoyment and, like, a hobby. I think hobbies are very important. Especially during COVID. Learn that and piano. Especially during college. Like, I get bored. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. No, I... Well, okay, for me, I don't really get bored because I pack my schedule so long. Uh I I pack in my schedule. It it is to a, a fault, but also it's good. Sometimes you, like, like, have to take a break, though, and be bored. No, literally. I I know, but I don't think I've been bored, like. I definitely haven't been bored within the recent weeks. It's really starting to pick up. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just never, like, really haven't been bored in college. Which is good, but also, like, I feel like out of boredom comes creativity. So. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, thank you. So that's what I've also found. Like, instead of like, oh, if I'm bored and picking up my phone and watching TikTok or scrolling, just like sit in the boredom, find, try to find something to do, and your creative juices will flow. I like that. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. But yeah, no, I think hobbies are super important. And so, yeah, especially during COVID and quarantine, mm. we had a lot of time. Yeah. I was like, I had many different phases, like, of quarantine. I had my Among Us phase, but I have no shame in playing Among Us. I re-downloaded I, Among Us. So that was one of my main phases. I I honestly, to this day, wish it still was a phase. But moral of the story, I've had a lot of hobbies throughout life and COVID, and I've had many different phases. Okay, now... We got sidetracked for a while, but we're back, ready to get back on track. Yeah, so now let's get into your... Gap year? Yes. Or gap semesters, that was... Let's call it, yeah, like a gap semester. So, let's get into your gap semester in... Hawaii. That's a slang. So cool. Okay, I... 
yes, when we first met, you said you took a gap semester in Hawaii, and then Ku'u, that was also on the podcast, I immediately, because we were all in the same room, I immediately point to Ku'u, I'm like, yes, literally lived in Hawaii for a semester, I'm like, I'm not happy. <laughs> They also had to explain that to me. But it's, what? <laughs> it's not a title. It's like yeah. an actual genetic. Yes, yes. And yeah, yeah. But I'm like, anyway, just want to point that out. But, okay, so tell us why you decided to first take a gap semester, then to first choose Hawaii. Because, like, did you, like, know you wanted to mm-hmm. have a gap semester? Or were you planning for a year, but then you decided? Well, okay. <laughs> so, me and my friend in high school, we wanted to go to Hawaii. And I was like, okay, I'll take a semester off and we'll go to Hawaii. And then things, like, kind of just weren't working out. And I ended up just being like, you know what? I'm just going to go to school. Like, this doesn't really feel like it's working out. The plan is not getting set. I'm, like, I just want to get on with my education. Like, I want to get my degree. And so I was actually set to attend Ole Miss, which is the University of Mississippi, in the fall last year. Oh, okay. So this is, like, would be your first semester, like, of freshman year, like you were not about to take a semester off. Yes, and you were just going to go right into home. Yes, okay. so I had decided I was just going to go to school, and then, yeah. But so when I left Bozeman, I just like could not shake this feeling that I was making a wrong decision, and I had chose Mississippi because I just wanted to get out of Rigby, Idaho. I was like literally anywhere but here at this point, and. I don't know, like, Mississippi kind of sounded fun, but, like, when I toured it in April, like, I didn't love it. Like, there was nothing that was pulling me there, and I just, like, shoved that to the side, which was a really bad idea, obviously, and so I was packing my room because I I had to, we were going on a family trip that weekend. And then when we came back from that family trip, I was supposed to get in my car and drive 25 hours to Mississippi. So I was packing my room, like, the night before I needed to leave-ish. And I, like, I could not. I was like, Mom, like, no, I'm not going. Like, it's just not right. And my parents still felt that I should go and try it out and attempt to do a semester there and it just felt wrong and like something wasn't right basically and his mom the sweetest woman in the world she was like when are you leaving for college and ugly cried ugly sobbed like broke down crouching on the floor and I mean like these are my this is my second family you know I I love them and I like was like I'm not going and at that moment I was like okay like I'm not going to Mississippi. So I did not finish packing my room after that. And and I, I should, I mean, they also, like, gave me great advice. And they kind of encouraged me to go to Hawaii. Okay, anyway, I was packing my stuff. Decided I wasn't going. That was that. And then, like, the day of... That I was supposed to leave. My parents were like, are you still not going? And I was like, no. Like, <laughs> I've been having a meltdown for the past four days. What do you mean am I still not going? Anyway, didn't go to Mississippi. And I was still in Rigby, Idaho. And I was like, I need to go do something. Like, I need to go explore. Or, like, even go live somewhere else. Even if it's, like... Utah, I mean, I didn't really want to go live in Utah. <laughs> but you just wanted to not be in your hometown. Yeah, so I kind of, like, texted that friend that we had originally kind of had this idea. And we actually hadn't really talked much that summer. Because, I mean, like, out of high school, it's kind of weird how your friends have changed. No, it's so fast. time. Yes. Because then it's, 
it's like then you really get to see who like actually wants to be your friend because if it's like junior year you're like yeah i'll still hang out with them because i have a whole another year again with mm-hmm. them but after this they're like oh yeah i won't see them so it doesn't really yeah matter if i reach out to hang out with them you know yeah no yeah. it is a really weird time yeah so we hadn't talked in a while and i kind of just like called her and i was like i'm not going to mississippi anymore i'm not going to all this what do you think about maybe going to hawaii and she was like i'm down so yeah i booked a flight to hawaii and we found an airbnb a verbo same thing we found an airbnb and i said dad will you help me uh will you give me a loan for this so i can live here booked an airbnb and flew out i want to say two weeks later three weeks later but i came back to bozeman the weekend before i flew out so like I think I flew out like a Thursday, maybe. And I came here on Saturday to watch the Gold Rush game. So I came to Gold Rush before I flew out for Hawaii. And I was like, this is so cool. Like, this is so sick. And I was like, I love this community. Like, how much they just love football and love the Bobcats and, like, hate the Grizz. Like, it's just <laughs> like this little community. And I loved it. And so, you know, I went to Hawaii. And I, I came back, and I I loved Montana. I loved Montana State. I loved Bozeman. So I came here. So that's how that happened. But what do you want to know about Hawaii? <laughs> how long were you there for? Like, how many months? I was only there for a month. Okay, only just one full month. Was it, like, fully furnished? Yeah. Okay. It was, so- like, m- almost more of an apartment. Okay, gotcha. But it was, like, pri- it was like a private apartment. Gotcha. And so, did you pack a lot, or like, did you know there was a timeline, or did you know there yes, was, or were you thinking there wasn't? Well, we, your timeline initially you said was a year. No, no. Okay, I'll let you say. I'll let you say. The timeline was always a month, but I like that's how long we had the Airbnb. But I didn't have a flight home. Okay, maybe that's what. Yeah. So, like towards the end. I actually was coming home for a pageant appearance. I did come home to do a pageant appearance. Like, I knew I had that obligation, which, honestly, I don't know if I would have come home if I didn't have an obligation. And I genuinely mean that. Like, it was so fun and just, like, so, I don't want to say relaxing, but, like, rejuvenating almost. It was like a new me. Anyway, so... The end was in sight, yes, but I didn't have a plane to get home until, um, I want to say a week before I flew out, probably. Okay. So then once you got the plane ticket, then you knew you were I knew I had to go home. So it wasn't like, oh, could we extend the Airbnb stay? It was more like, I just don't have a plane ticket, but I do know I have to leave by the time the airbnb stuff is up yeah we i mean like we did like contemplate it we were like where could we live like can we extend this like we we really did want to stay but yeah i mean there's a part of me that missed like idaho fall like i wanted to see fall and we were there in the fall in hawaii so Mm -hmm. that was also something i think that brought me back yeah so, did you work there at all? No. Okay, we I'll ended s- up not working just because a it's month not, is not very yes, long. Not very long. And if you're there, gap semester? Yeah. And what island were you on? Oahu. Oh? And we lived in Waikiki. Fun. Yeah. Did you Did you have a good time there? So much fun. Um, Obviously... There's like Waikiki is. I want to make sure. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right, but yeah, I'd be Waikiki. very embarrassed if I wasn't. Waikiki, yeah, yeah. It's if, every. If, if you... Somebody would probably have something you know? to say. I'm sorry if I am saying it wrong. Um, I'm pretty sure. No, I think it was Waikiki. Okay. So Waikiki is kind of like a very touristy area. It's mm-hmm. where we were living. It was almost like. 
We were living on the strip of Vegas in a way. Like it like they have the street city, performers. Right? Yeah, they have like the street performers oh, out there and like the strip malls and oh my. like yeah, that. I've never been to Oahu. No. I might have been to Oahu, but not that I But yeah. So it's like Have you been to Honolulu? Possibly. Honolulu's on Hawaii. Oahu. Okay. Then I may have. I may have when I was little. But anyway, anyway, that does not yeah. matter to the story. Proceed. Um, yeah, so we lived in Waikiki, and there, like, the North Shore has a lot more of like the surfing beaches and like the pretty beaches that you hear a lot about. Um, but we actually had some friends who were from Rexburg, which is like a neighboring town to us, who were staying in North Shore the same time we were staying in Waikiki. So we met up with them. So a couple cool. of times. But it was like it was so fun living where we did because we would just like walk out at night and go like walk around like the tourist shops and tourist areas just like for the fun of it, just to oh. people watch and like that watch so the street performers. Oh, so there's gosh. just always something to do. And it's nice outside at it's night. So warm. And yeah. there are people out and it's just oh my gosh. I also love Hawaii. The tiki torches, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know it's so random, but I I love those. Yeah, those are cute. I like them too. So walk us through a day in your life in Waikiki. We did a lot of hikes. So oh, even in the wait, how hot would it get there? Because it's still in like it December. was pretty warm, like eighties, nineties. Yeah. Oh gosh, on a productive day. I don't, not it wasn't like that productive. We still <laughs> relaxed, but on like oh, a, as you should a jam packed day in Hawaii, we would get up at six or seven because we we rode the bus while we were there because it's it was important to us to not be damaging the island, which is a really big concern right now with a lot of the tourists and the travel in Hawaii. So we took the bus everywhere. The bus adds quite a few hours on to getting to your destination, obviously. Mm -hmm. So we would have to get up pretty early to make sure we got on a bus that would drop us off at our stop. So let's say we get up at like f probably five or six, more realistically. Oh and we get on the bus and we drive an hour or so to the destination that's going to get us closest to a hike we want to go on. And then where you get dropped off from the bus, you still have to walk like a, a mile probably or two to get to your destination. To get to your hike, you have to... You have to hike to hike your, to your hike. hike. Oh, yeah. gosh. And then you have to hike down the hike and then hike back to the bus and then sit on the bus. Yes. For a long time. Yes. Okay. But honestly, like, it's almost fun. I don't know. You have to, like, sightsee on wheels. Yes. Nice. Anyway, so we would, like, go on a hike, come back, probably make a mac and cheese or a sandwich because, you know, we're still not living, like, super high class. We do have to save our money. Yeah, we're on a little bit of a food budget. Pack our sandwich or whatever, maybe, and we would walk to the beach. The beach was, like, right there, like, two blocks down. Yeah, I mean, go sit on, um, like, Waikiki Beach or Queen's Beach for, like, oh the rest God. of the day. And we'd read a book. Oh. I read a lot of books. And then oh my gosh, that's we'd come back, and if we were feeling it, like, sometimes we'd go out to dinner or, like, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, it was really chill. Oh, my gosh. Literally romanticize your life like that. Oh, my <laughs> Imagine, like, literally living, like, walking distance to a beach. That's, like, one of my dreams. But as picking college, <laughs> I could have done that. Both of us. But yeah. here I am. Nowhere near a beach. No, I was nowhere near a beach where I lived either. Yeah. But at least you, like, went and were living there for, like, a month. That's impressive. Yeah. And, like, to a whole nother like body of land that was a land mass yeah. i don't know but we get it <laughs> yeah yeah we get it but 
Yeah, oh my gosh. No, but that's very, very impressive to you, to be able to just, like, pick up and go do that. Also, the courage that you had of not going to college. I don't think people really talk about that as much, but there are a handful of people that I know that had plans to go to one college, and literally the last second, they just, like, couldn't do it because it just didn't feel right. And to me, that is a lot. To me, that's also very equally and maybe even a more tremendous act of courage mm-hmm. to not go than to go because there are stereotypes of, oh, go to college, get a degree, or go here, go there. Um, and I think it also is a lot of courage of people saying, no, this isn't for me. Or, like, yeah, right at the last second, if you felt it wasn't right, Instead of going in, yeah, you could have maybe seen it through, but instead of going in, absolutely been miserable there, you were able to not let that keep you down. You were able to literally go move to Hawaii. Like, literally, so that's very impressive. So, yeah. congratulations mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. And now you're here. Because, no, I definitely think that it takes a lot of courage, especially when you're, like, packing up and almost ready to leave. You, yeah, it's a lot of work to find a college to apply to get him to do all that, and then yeah. also have the courage to go and be away from home. But also, people need to be talking about how much courage it is to not and to realize maybe college isn't the path for you, or wherever you're going to college isn't the path for you, because yeah. it's a lot more common than people think. But people don't really talk about that as much as. They do, obviously, about as much as they do about going, but people just don't really talk about if they, you know, never are able to make it. So, yeah, it's, that. it's also hard, like, coming from a small community, like, and everybody everyone knows, knows everything. because every, a lot of the kids I was graduating with were going to nearby schools, and I was like, I'm going somewhere far away. Mm-hmm. I'm not staying here. And like I had said that for four years of high school and I was like uh I was part of like four clubs in my school. I had the most chords in my graduating class, like high honor Slay. student and like a huge like I always achieved for so much and then to be like a college dropout but not even a cool version of it, like that was so hard. It was so embarrassing for people to be like what happened Mm -hmm. so no and i do like how you pointed it out like you were you still are but in high school you were high school so you were a go-getter high achiever participated in a ton of clubs had a ton of chords at graduation always talked about these huge big plans of i'm getting out of here you know all that which is so great but then then after high school it's like wait maybe you know, we're all just human. Mm-hmm. And even though um, it looked like high school was it for me, you know, it, it brings you back down to, like, you know, no matter how good someone looks, it's there are things that aren't for everybody. But so I really applaud you for that because mm-hmm. that, that does take a lot of courage. Also... In a small town, word spreads fast. Yes. Word spreads fast. Opinions come out even quicker. Mm-hmm. And uh, and to be able to, and word does get around. I bet you've heard of what people's, people think of your decision. Yeah. Even if you don't want to. <laughs> yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. But, you know, like, being out of high school and moving away, you realize it really doesn't matter. Yeah. No, literally. But now you're here. It all worked out. I'm and here. I'm on your podcast. Hey. <laughs> Achievement for me. This is the first <laughs> podcast I've been on. We. I know. This is only, like, you're still one of my very first couple of guests. So. Slay. Well, I'm honored to be here. So. We are mutually honored. <laughs> okay. Okay. We can agree to that. Yes. But yeah, otherwise, that's honestly pretty much I have besides questions that I have. I post on the Instagram at the Nest Podcast with Estella. Go ahead and 
I will post questions when the announcement of the guest comes out, and the questions are always anonymous. So, the first question we have, okay, yeah, so the first question is, who are some people that you look up to? Okay, maybe that one was more deeper than I thought. No, 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 no. I'm just like, I have so many people I look up to. Obviously, I look up to my mom, of course, a lot. She supports me the most in everything I do, and she's so involved in our community, which makes me want to get involved in my community, and that's really where my passion for patents came from. But, like, in a broader sense, someone I look up to a lot is Audrey Hepburn. Oh, interesting. Okay, is... Okay, is she like an actor? She was an actress. She has I mean actress since yeah. passed away. Um but she was huge in philanthropic work and she was part of UNICEF. And since fifth grade, like she has been a huge role model for me and really taught like showed me that you can have a presence in like pop culture, you can have a presence in Hollywood or whatever you can be famous but you can do so much with that fame and have so much to say and advocate for with that presence which is a huge thing for pageants for me is yes I love dressing up yes I love walking on stage but more than anything I love having a platform to speak about something and advocate for something I'm passionate about I love that. And Audrey Hepburn. That's super cool. I don't think I've ever heard, like... That's a really cool role model to look up to. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Okay, next one. How to pick your platform of trauma recovery? I know we did get into that here, mm. but... If you have anything else to add to that? Really, it was just about my experience dealing with trauma and not having anyone notice that I was struggling and just expect me to help everyone else who was struggling. And it really is just about making sure everyone knows your trauma is valid. There are resources out there to start your healing journey and you are seen and help make sure that those people do get seen. Awesome. And then the last question. What does your platform of trauma recovery entail? And what do you personally do to support? So I know we already went through what it entails. So what do you personally do to support? When I was home in Idaho, I actually called uh, senators. So yeah, when I was in, when I was home, um, I called higher government, I guess, called senators and like attempted to speak with people about it and advocate for like more resources for students in schools. And I also pushed for more counselors in schools because we need more people being aware of people struggling so we don't have incidents occur and we also have support after incidents occur. And um, I have an Instagram called Hidden in Plain Sight. Dot Everyone go check it out. W A W T R and I A W T R A yeah dot A W T R. Assisting with trauma recovery. Oh yes. yes, it is on the Instagram, and I will put it in the description below this episode, as well as her personal and her and her professional. Yeah, pageant professional. And her pageant professional account. So there will be three presences. There will be three accounts of hers below. Yeah, so I have that Instagram. Post resources. I post stories. I posted part of my story on there, which takes a lot of courage to put your story on the internet. And um, I applaud everyone who does that and who has the courage to do that. And I... Well, we applaud you. Well, thank you. Um, and I just yes. continue to um, talk to people about this and really have a platform, like a public platform, like Miss Bozeman Teen USA, to speak about it. Well, thank you 
so, so much for coming on, taking your time to talk to us about pageantry, competing your gap semester, and your hidden in plain sight assisting with trauma recovery. Yes, of course. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you so much again. And remember to follow the podcast on whichever platform you are streaming it from. Rate it a five stars. And don't forget to follow the podcast on whatever platform you are streaming it on. And don't forget to rate it a five stars and to check out the Instagram at the Nest Podcast with Estella. Until next time.